podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino and this week I'm joined by James and Miff as we cover all things Celtic. And Postacoglu's Celtic side are now within touching distance of making history with the Scottish Cup semi-final win over Rangers now putting them just 90 minutes away from completing a world record 8th domestic treble. Miff, as forecast last week, this Celtic side always respond positively to any sort of domestic setback and following last week's one each draw with Motherwell, we've done so again. Your summary of where we now find ourselves in your Celtic moment of the week please. Hello Tino, hello James, hello listeners and viewers. Um, where we find ourselves is on the cusp of a historic treble. That is due to the excellent work of the team and the management, specifically the manager. Um, recruitment has just been absolutely fantastic. And now what's in reserve is going to be tested, given the, the news that we've heard and, and the possible injuries to, or will the definite injury to Carter Vickers and the possible injury to Alistair Johnson. So the squad that he's built has now got to be tested towards the end of the season. Um, but what a magnificent position to be in. Just um, the game itself was quite fraught, quite frantic. A lot was at stake. One team potentially going the season trophyless, the other team, like like I said, on the cusp of a treble. And it, and it felt with like that sort of nervy game. First half could have probably, maybe should have been out of sight. The amount of ball, we, ball that we had in, in possession, we had a ball we had that sounded like some sort of, I don't know. Nah, you know, I better not. Nah, that wasn't it. Nah. Possession that we had. Um, could have made, should have made more of it. Uh, Rangers were barely out their own half, really. First half. Second half, we conceded a lot of territory, but it seemed to be a bit of rope-a-dope, a part of the plan, but I think we were quite happy to give it, given the Rangers were relatively toothless, albeit that we did ride our luck on a couple of occasions. But the big players stood up, so... Uh, uh, me personally, I'm in a very good place. You know how nervous those games make me. Delighted that those games are out of the way. Uh, delighted we've won. Delighted we're through. Moment of the week. Moment of the week for me is uh, Alistair Johnson's post-match celebrations, complete with crutches and moonboot. Um, probably not what the the physio or the doctor would have been ordering um, post-match, but he looked like he was absolutely loving it. And, and again, just that the, the team are. Well, when you're winning, you're always lovable, aren't you? You know that that's that's the benchmark that, that this team wins, and they get to enjoy those moments because that's what they do. That's that's their mentality. And what we know of Alistair Johnson, James, he wasn't going to miss those celebrations for anyone. And up till his injury, he had a very solid performance, didn't he? Yeah, I think you know, despite Tony Dawson come on and playing fantastically, losing Johnson just disrupted our flow a wee bit. You know, things weren't coming through the right like they were with with Johnson. Maybe they were just letting Ralston, you know, find his way into the game. Um, he's an absolute fan's favourite and we saw it from the, the day he joined you know you went this, this guy's going to be you know just one of those players you, you love um, getting involved in all that, that celebration stuff was, was fantastic as well so um, but yeah I, I agree with you you know it was like you know, second half we rode our luck a wee bit but I think if if Rangers had scored we could have gone on to score more if we wanted um, I think the Hattati gamble didn't quite pay off he was relatively anonymous um, I would rewatched the game back this afternoon he was maybe more involved than I thought watching it live but not quite as incisive as, as he usually is you know so um, moment of the week for me has got to be Jota in it you know Paddy talks about in these games it's your quality that, that tells and Jota and Maeda with the quality that they told there and the picture of Jota just going down with <laughs> just a I see of angry oh, bears behind them. It's a nice, nice one. There's one that launches down about five steps to get tight to the. You can see he's pointing to the cluster of Rangers players that are there. It's just delightful. 
You might have seen the stat, James, about the difference between what John and Kyogo have done against Rangers compared to what Kent and Morelos have done against Celtic. I think the stat goes that Kent and Morelos, across 44 combined appearances against us, have scored six goals total. Um, Kyogo and Jota have scored eight goals this season alone. I think it's 10 games. And therein lies the difference. It's only the media that's telling you there's a there's a level, you know, a level in between these teams. There's a huge chasm between us and Rangers, and obviously we've got work to do in the summer as well to kick us on for Champions League. They've got a huge rebuild with Washers, so I don't know how they're going to get away with that one. Um, the, the, that stat it just tells you everything you need to know. There's mediocrity everywhere. Their captain is the poster boy for mediocrity for me. Strong words, James. Okay, let's take a look at what's coming up on this week's show. Our big topic this week focuses on some of the standout individual performances that got us over the line in Sunday's semi-final and the key differences they made on the big occasion. Then it's time for this week's Mystery Cell, where the lads will be tasked once again with naming the mystery former player. And finally, we'll close out the show with This Week in Celtic Media, where we cover a figure who still seems to split opinions among among some sections of the Celtic support. Okay, so let's get the ball rolling with this week's big topic. Shortly after Ange Postacoglu arrived as Celtic manager in June 2021, it became quite clear what his footballing philosophy and style would be. And since then, we've seen some of the most enjoyable football played at Celtic Park and beyond in a very long time. However, at the end of the day, none of it would be possible without some of the key individuals he's recruited to deploy his system, and their impact was as clear as ever in Sunday's Scottish Cup semi-final win at Hamden. Today, we're going to look at the very different, but equally important, three vital components of Ange Postacoglu's side, and of the key parts they played in our most recent success. James, we're going to start with yesterday's man of the match, Cameron Carter-Vickers, and how could we not? How impressive was his performance at Hamden on Sunday, especially considering he'll now go straight in for surgery this week? Uh, I mean, just a real commanding performance. You know, we talk about talked about when Ange came in that the team was really missing captains. You know, there's probably four or five guys in that team that could be captains and Carl Vickers is probably right up there amongst them. He's two of them. He's two of them, I. Uh, outstanding. That one, really bad uh, foul from Morelos on Carl Vickers in a smash in the box that Robertson decided not to give. And Vickers has to get up from his kind of sick bed and go and clear the ball before the ball gets put out of play and he gets a chance to get some treatment. He was just outstanding. I'm delighted he's getting hidden away in Ross Hall over the summer. Um, that could maybe go in our favour in terms of suitors that would be coming in for him. So it's good for him to get the rest, get him back to top fitness and ready for, for Champions League football. As James says there, he literally put his body on the line for the club yesterday. He made a decision to play in a semi-final and do all he could to get us to the final, knowing fine well they wouldn't be able to play any part in it. What does that say about his character, first of all, but just in general, the character and team spirit in Celtic stressing him? Well, I think he, he is a leader. That, that's why he was brought in. And like I referenced him last night in the, the post-match when we did it, Tino, Carter Vickers was a bit of a gamble. I think he did a few ropey performances for Spurs in the Europa League and he was pretty much judging that without having any sort of run in, in the first team. So when he come, come to Celtic, it was by no means someone who was guaranteed to kind of even become a, a starter. Although it was a, a position we desperately needed covered at the time. Fast forward, you know, 18 months and he's been nothing but absolutely phenomenal. Um, to me, that he, he epitomises the Ange player. Someone that wants to come in, wants to learn, wants to get better, but leads by example. 
So what better way to lead by example than, you know, you've you've got somebody like Yuki Kobayashi who's coming in, still finding his feet in terms of the um getting to grips with the league and the culture and all those different types of things. In effect, he's shielding him from being exposed in a game like that yesterday by going and leading by example, leading the defence. The partnership has with Starfield is is immense. You know, the, I, I think we touched on it again last night in the post-matches that in the context of yesterday, I think Starfield deserves just as much praise as, as Carter Definitely. Vickers. I know Carter Vickers got a lot of the, you know, the kind of last-minute interceptions, but I thought as, as you know, a, a duo, they defended immensely together. And and really just Vickers is now, to me, the, the, that figurehead that we need that, you know, that really solid, strong defensive centre-half. You don't really see him get beat too much, if ever. Um, and it is, dare I say it, Van Dyke, Baldy, Mialbe-esque that you're seeing now. Because you've seen it over a long enough period of time. It's not a flash in the pan. It's not a 10-game run. This is for two years. Scored the winner at Ibrooks, You know, been part of a team that's lifting trophies, played in the Champions League, albeit not as not as much as we would have liked. So for me, he's as good as we've had in recent times. And you're right to mention Carl Starfield. So I think now with Carter Vickers' injury, they now head into the summer with that record intact that they've never been beaten domestically uh, in Scotland since they both arrived and, and started playing together. James, you'd have to wonder who makes the calls at Spurs to let a guy like that go, particularly when you look at Spurs right now and... They're absolutely leaking goals. That, that's that's the bit I don't get. Is is you know I know they maybe look for a certain amount of culture in a, in a centre half. Um, but I mean, to me, Eric Dyer is as poor a centre half as you as you get. He's very very poor. They, they certainly weren't in a position to be giving centre halves away and yeah. six million, six point three million. That is a giveaway. You'd say so. I mean, I think he'd a half dozen loan clubs from Spurs, Sheffield United, and Ipswich and Bournemouth, I think, and a few others before finding themselves at Celtic, but you'd have to say it's a it's a phenomenal piece of recruitment by whoever identified him. I'm not sure whether it was Ange or somebody behind the scenes or they already had eyes on him, but it's a hell of a pick out, isn't it? Yeah, and that, you know, that's that's been the hallmark of, of Ange's recruitment team. I don't know if he was on the radar before, you know, a bit of, you know, um, scouts that were in the building before, before Ange came in because he was there pretty, pretty quick, but whoever's done it, you know, it's, it's a great spot. It was obviously something we were crying out for we were really really short in that department not just in terms of centre halves but in terms of leaders as, as well as I said earlier on so yeah um, but you know he's not alone in amongst the, the quality recruitment that's come in the last year and a half he's actually I think he arrived in the last day of the window the season we signed him and it turned out to be a, a pivotal day because I think we had him Jack Amakis and Jota yeah. there's a picture of the, the trio Jack Amakis obviously GBNF and all that stuff all the best to him but Jota Carter Vickers, they're just absolute stars of this team. It's, it's that profile, the profile of that signing that they've all got that bit to prove. Um, with Carter Vickers, he'd been a nomad, loans out, and I think he'd mentioned in previous interviews the reason why he came back to Celtic and signed permanently was that uncertainty of where's my pre season this year? Is it two weeks with Tottenham, then three weeks with the loan club? and that really affecting him, affecting where he was going to be staying, you know, just all, all the you know, practical yeah. things and feeling wanted at Celtic, but also I think the manager's got to be a huge, huge factor in that. He is a manager the players want to play for and that all comes from just that, you know, that plan, that strategy, that transparent way of playing, what your role is within the team and it being made very clear to you and he, is, he has just thrived in that environment 
absolutely thrived in it and he's now became you know one of the leaders of the team he, he is a major part of the spine of the team and the thing is James he's, he's continued to get better since he came in the door and it's it's exciting from his own point of view as to what his trajectory will be the hope is he's at Celtic for you know long enough and we'll see how that goes but he could hit some real dizzy heights and, and I think that's a sorry just to cut in there but I think that's a vital showcase for us to players of a similar profile in a similar position in the English Premier League you can't come up here you can't take a you know a, a wage drop in relative terms but it's what that's going to do for your reputation where it's going you know where it's going to send you Vickers could have went to a championship side maybe you know, played, played, but not get promoted, not get relegated, and it wouldn't really have done anything for his, his profile reputation. He's come up here, he's lifted silverware, and he's played in the Champions League. That in itself just sets him apart then from from some someone some other Spurs centre half that may have went on loan to a Championship side. Yeah, Jim, Angie Celtic are synonymous with attack and flair and scoring brilliant goals, but none of that's possible without Carter Vickers himself and his defensive teammates. They provide the the foundation that the other players build on. Yeah, and it's also, there's a real good comparison here between what our defenders do and what Rangers defenders do or did. Their job is to clear the ball. You know, long balls, just horrible football. That's just not the ethos at Celtic at all. Your job is to start the attack from defence. And it's a, it's a it's a mentality, it's a structure, it's a, a policy that runs right throughout the team. So you can't just be, I mean, I think Starfield is more of a defender-defender but Carter Vickers has, has got that coming out with the ball. He got a fair bit of space to do it yeah, yesterday as well. So there's more to, to our centre-halves than just being you know defenders and clearing the ball. They're attackers, that's, you know, they're defenders that start the attack. And you can see that um, if we, Alan McGregor, how many times did he shell it out the park? Four or five maybe? Yeah, yeah. And, and he, so he's, he's the start of their attack, inverted commas, and you're back to square one. And his defence, he's always done that. He's, uh, ne he's never been Does one. it make it right? He's, no, no, but he's, he's never been one for... Yeah, I mean, he, he plays the ball at the park regularly every time we play against him. Yeah. Um, Player of the Year nominations are, are doing the rounds at this time of year and there's no doubt Carter Vickers is rightfully going to be mentioned in that. What would your thoughts on that be in general? It's unusual for a defender to pick up, particularly a defender of a team who are going to hopefully sweep the boards in terms of the trophies. Yeah, but it's, it's maybe just in line with what I'm saying earlier on. He's not just a defender, you know, because he's, he's such a a versatile player in terms of the, the creative side um, of our defence. He's obviously right up there. There's, there's a high, high, high calibre um, list for the player of the year draw. So he'll definitely be up there. I mean, if Van Dijk come in player of the years, Carter Vickers can, you know. Yeah. Muffy's, um as I say, he's a guy who's played such an important part yesterday. You know, he's had the, the block on the line, the last gasp header and, you know, various other huge moments for the club. But as I say, it just epitomises him as a personality, doesn't it? The fact that he was willing to to go the extra mile, basically to his teammates' benefit. Uh, absolutely. Uh, small caveat: I think the clearing off the line would have been offside. I think there was a whole four, four of them were offside. Four four he didn't know that. Defenders. No, 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 no. He didn't. He didn't. Um, but that that's just what he's all about. As I say, leads for the front. Absolutely leads for the front. And another thing I'll add to that is, I think when he first came, probably wasn't the most confident in the ball. I think that's that's something he's embraced and got better at. So it just reverts back to that mentality. When I'm just signing someone, it's someone that wants to come get better and improve. And I think Vickers has just completely bought into that and you've, you've actually seen him improve as a result. Yeah, so Cameron Carter-Vickers, a star man on Sunday and, and rightfully so. Moving on from him, if Dyson Maeda proved on Sunday that he's just as sharp in the head as he is in the legs with his quick thinking, which led to the only goal of the game. You and I, as you mentioned, we done the match reaction show on the Celtic Exchange Plus after the game and 
to be honest with you, thinking back, I don't think we gave him enough credit for the moment that effectively put us in the final. You might know. <laughs> did you get excited? I think I did, I. Did you? I had half a can of red in me, so I was... Roll I was back the tapes. I was feeling generous. Um, listen, the Maeda... As I had mentioned again, not that we're trying to push him, Celtic Exchange, push, uh, subscribe, click the link, subscribe. Um, what, when I was speaking about that yesterday, it tends to be, I don't know if you are the same, Maeda splits opinion with guys that are on the bus or, or, or whatever. In group chats, for me, it's very, very clear to me what he brings to the table and I'm very happy with it. I don't, you know, people talk about, oh, he kicks the ball at the park. Well, he's on his weak side trying to put a first-time ball in. I'll, I'll forgive him that. Look what he did with a first-time ball when he was on his strong side. He swept a ball in that's one as a game. He also did whip in one of his weaker foot for yeah, Jordan. Jordan. He took, he's took no, a snide touch. Ball, yeah. And then I think there was a, one in the second half he put, he put long when it was trying to feed it into Kyogo but listen anyway Maeda for me is Maeda and I love him for it I just I, I, what we do the way we play even seen the, the way what shutting angles down well you'd have watched the game back today watching the game back you probably noticed more hundreds watching the game back and, and the amount of attacks yeah. he shut down angles he's he in shut left off. back positions like, oh, yeah. the guy is immense the guy is absolutely immense and you can't have an Ange team without a Maeda yeah James Miff kind of nails it he's his three word catchphrase there Maeda is Maeda and he is Aye. you know he frustrates and delights in equal measure um, and we know this so we might as well just enjoy it absolutely I mean he's a wee bit unorthodox in that you know he's he's fast he's in a wing position so you expect him to be going past guys all the time and he doesn't it's, it's not his game he had Tavernier several times on his heels yesterday and you're thinking go, go and attack him then it's just not what he's looking for he's looking for a pass or a one-two kind of, kind of moves and stuff. He's not looking to dribble. He's he's, he's looking to play off somebody mm. all the time. It's it's that sort of, I don't know, I, 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 they can't even think off the top. Probably, Haxabanovic is probably similar, but I can't think of a Celtic winger in the past where they're more looking for a link-up than they are just to go and bomb yeah. down, go in, you know, so old wingers of the past are looking to beat two men and swing the ball in. He's, he's not really doing that. No. Um, it, it, to me, it just, it, somebody shouldn't be in the team purely and work right alone because at Celtic you have to provide quality but I don't think we've ever had a player that's worked as hard for the team as Tyson Maeda I just don't I just don't think the, the speed that he's at and, and still yesterday still if you're a Rangers fan you must be absolutely tearing your hair out for those of the Rangers section that's still of hair and Goldson takes a touch in the box when Maeda's within five yards of him mm-hmm what have they not learned? I know. And yeah. he just just gets away with it no more. It's nearly a penalty, actually, because he's done that cardinal thing of taking a touch blind when you maybe go to swing the boot and the, you know, the attacker gets in there. He just gets lucky and actually hits it off Maeda. When 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 will they learn? Yeah, one weekend as well. Maeda just shuts you down yeah. so yeah. quickly. And that, you know, when you look at those things, what he brings to the team to me it's just so glaringly obvious I, I just love him as you can probably tell with the fact the voice is getting a wee bit higher and higher and I'm getting more animated in the chair is, I just love him yeah I mean James he, he absolutely does he epitomises this Celtic side and the whole we don't stop mantra and he was still closing guys down after the 90th minute I questioned Jota going off at the time in my head I thought Maeda was the man due to go off but then you take into consideration Jota's injury and the fact that Ange he trusts Maeda implicitly. He just yeah. knows, and as a, and Miff says as well, we we as fans also now know. You know exactly what you're going to get from him. Yeah, I mean, if there is 
if Angela's a you know first name of the team, she guy, my head is probably it. You know, um, and another thing about him as well is he's his head never ever goes down. You know, he's got that you know immediate reset. You know, you ran the ball out a couple of times, maybe two, three times yesterday. It, it looked like it just didn't happen. This is it's on my very notes here. He makes mistakes by the bucket load and does not care. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 Abada as well. Again, that it's no, it is no fluke that there are players with this mindset in the team. That's been identified in them when the manager's speaking to them before he signs them. Yeah, yeah. Abada will shell the ball right out the park. You know, he'll run down the line under a wee bit of pressure, knock the ball out the park. He'll then beat two guys and stick it in the top corner. That's probably why they're at Celtic, because if they're beating two guys sticking it in the top corner every time, they're going to be at Celtic. Maeda, I think Maeda's an absolute steal. I think the way the game's played in the in the big leagues, specifically Germany and England, he would be a, an absolutely amazing asset, especially for a counter-attacking team where he would get a lot of space to run into. With us, quite often he's playing against packed defences and yet still manages to contribute with goals and assists, probably in scenarios which aren't really suiting his game. He just doesn't care when he makes a mistake. He just shrugs that you ball the heat and gets the, home it. The, the way we're set up and the way that Ange and the backroom team set, send the players out is, and you saw it with Rocco Vata last week as well, is go for high volume chance creation. And there'll be mistakes, but... You'll get your chance and Vata got his two chances last week. Got his ball in. Guys didn't finish it but he'd done his job. And Maeda yesterday runs the ball out two or three times gets two quality crosses in that one resulted in a goal. So they're just saying just don't worry about the ones that you didn't get because you're going to get other ones. Yeah. And you'll have heard them I'm sure post-match where he stepped into the, the gantry and done the, the post-match interview as they kind of tend to often do at Hamden now and he used the term quote-unquote non-negotiables and he spoke about hard work being a non-negotiable and there's a lot of things just footballers in general can kind of give you for free mm -hmm. regardless of what every ability team, they've got. Level. And it's hard work and it's mindset and it's focus and all these things. And I think Ange absolutely hammers this home to every single player regardless if you're Jota and the skill he's got or I don't know, let's say Starfield who's more defensive. I'd, I'd say why, why are Taylor and Ralston in the squad for, for the start? Why were they trusted for that? You knew that was the absolute bare minimum. They're 10 yeah. out of 10s on they, that they, stuff they every day. Actually, yeah. you know, Angie's in training watching that. He sees Ralph will know about doing plowing through guys in training, you know, knocking them left, right, centre. He'll go, I'll have a bit of that. He's, you know, Taylor's doing the inverted fullback thing. You see the ground that he covers. Thought, you know, both, both of them were notable yesterday and how well they played. Um, but you're right, that, that there was a lovely moment between Anil and. Aye. Ange I know, I know it's, uh, Tino's good friend uh, Martin O'Neill uh, and it was just it was lovely uh, you know clash of generations and, and for me O'Neill's team was a lot of fun to follow uh, but Ange's team proven proven just as much so and, and it was just so nice to see that, that wee moment between them um, but yeah in terms of the hard work you're not going to get through the door unless you're willing to show that and you know if you look at the guys that we've, we've emptied out the guys the likes of Julian, Barkas, Ajeti, all talented players in, in their own right, but if they're not going to give you that, that 100% in every facet of the game or training, you're out the door. See, the most galling thing, if you're a Rangers manager there, is, as you say, those things are free. We don't lose that goal they lost yesterday. So that Kent's switched off for the quick free kick to O'Reilly, I think it's McGregor to O'Reilly, and he was also switched off for the ball from McGregor to O'Reilly for Jota's goal in the 4-0 game. 
and then when the ball goes dead and it's not dead, they're not playing at the whistle. That just doesn't happen in an Ange team, you know, because you're always, always on. Uh, I mean, it's brilliant. I highlighted to Miff uh, in the post-match that I thought up to four players had switched off. Yeah. I think there's seven players. You can uh, see there's another uh, in, in the screenshot, there's nine Rangers players and six Celtic players. Yeah. It's like, we shouldn't be scoring for this position. Matt Arreola is also absolutely incredulous at not getting that free kick, and rightly so. Yeah. So is Capwell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a free kick, Yeah. But there's a, I think it was sports scene that highlighted it. They've done a focus on James Tavernier and he you know, checks his wing mirrors in football terms once, I've got Jaw, twice, I've got him. Number three, I've definitely got him. And number four, he doesn't check, doesn't look, and Jota ghosts in and does what Celtic so often do against Rangers and ghosts in at the back post and it's it's games a bogey. And as it, uh, uh, that all comes down to mindset, focus, yeah. concentration, you don't have to be the best football in the world to stay switched on. And, and that's drilled into the Celtic players. I mean, I think Maeda, as I say, epitomises that and just his ability to press reset after any sort of, you know, um, issue, you know, any sort of running the ball at a player or anything like that. And again, you know, we spoke about Carter Vickers for Player of the Year stuff. I don't think Maeda's the type of player that would get nominated for Player of the Year up here, rightly or wrongly. And guess what? He doesn't care either. No. He's just here to do his job. He just gets his head down and works away. And I think he's the ultimate team player, Math. Yes, I, I would agree with that. You can see he's beloved within the team. Uh, so much so, you could see how much credit the players were giving him yesterday after the, the goal had went in. But it's those moments. It's those moments that decide tight games. They're... You know, Rangers had their moments and, and didn't take advantage of them. Celtic had their moments and did. Uh, it's just that simple. And that, that's, that is the difference between these these two sides. The, the other thing is, you know, Celtic haven't just been doing this since Mickey Beal turned up. Celtic have been doing this for the best part of two years. So you need to remember that. You know, the, people talk about Rangers being disrespected and there's two good teams in the country. Just pay, pay the right respects to the, the best team in the country. Yeah, it's a fair point. James, the third guy I want to highlight from Sunday, and again, I don't think enough praise has come his way, is Joe Hart. You were watching some of the game back earlier, as we discussed, and I think he absolutely rose to the occasion in both halves. He had some massive moments, didn't he? Yeah, he was a real commander um, throughout the whole game, clearing you know, everything that came his way. Um, he was pretty flawless you know, in terms of performance. And even when that, that uh, Carter Vickers uh, injury from Morelos I was talking about, Hart is all over Morelos, you know, backing up his backing up his defenders and stuff. So, just a, another guy that epitomises the, the spirit of this team. You know, come back, something to prove, um, someone who's got loads of experience, someone who could be another captain. And yesterday showed it all. Brilliant. And interestingly, Miff pointed out the the profile of signings that Ange makes and having a point to prove is almost one of the, the absolute must you see that everyone's got a, a different driver Joe Hart at the opposite end of his career than say Leah Labada but still got a real motivation there I mean he just turned 26 he was uh, sorry 36 he was 36 in April <laughs> breaking news he's only a kid uh, he's played at World Cups Euros won the Premier League twice with Man City but Matt, this is a guy who's fully embraced the opportunity at this late stage in his career to play for a club like Celtic absolutely and performances like yesterday Keepers at 36, when, when you think about that, it's not really that that old, you know, still a couple of years probably left him at, in him at the top level. <clears throat> Excuse me, but for me, Hart, yesterday, that's why he was signed for, for occasions like that and performances like that, using his experience, helping out his defence, being ready when called upon. Those qualities in a Celtic goalkeeper that you need, you're, you're maybe not going to be under siege, but you'll be required at different times to make big saves. 
it was something that, that Fraser Foster, his predecessor, was particularly good at, and and he's come in and kind of stepped up to that mantle. Hart's an experienced character, but I think what I love most about it is that you, you just see the enthusiasm that he's treating this project, if you want to call it that, with. You know, I think that's how players refer to it these days. But f- f- from when he's come in the door, he's clearly been a leader in that dressing room. I can only imagine the amount of support he's given both to the manager and the captain. The captain at the time when he was still new to the role. To me, it's just it's just refreshing having a character like Joe Hart on board. If you'd said to me, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you'd have Joe Hart playing for young goals at Celtic, I'd have thought, no chance that's going to happen. Um, but he's been he's been a really interesting character for me. I, I actually like listening to him talking. He, he's, yeah, good talking. He seems a, he seems a bit different though. He doesn't really toe the party line. He's, he's pretty brutal and pretty honest in his interviews. Even even talking about his own performances and his own experiences when he's been at other places. So yeah, I I I, I just think he's a character, and he's really really added to that dressing room. And and that's what you need. You need guys like that that are going to come in and go to support the captain, go to support the manager, and really drive home that message. I think going back to last year or earlier on in the season when he made a mistake at Leipzig, and he just said, "But look, that's the way we want to play." No, I took issue with that, saying, "Well, we don't want you to pass the ball to opposition strikers twenty yards out." But you take his point. There are risks involved with it. It's absolute unequivocal buy-in for the playing squad. And that's what it has to be for go to progress. Yeah, yeah, he's a great example of that. James, as Miff said, he celebrated at the end like a, a youngster just making his yeah. way in the game and he's clearly, you know, loving life at Celtic. We discussed the goalie position uh, maybe just last week or a few weeks back anyway um, and spent a bit of time on the necessary ability for keepers in the modern game to be able to play out from the back. But first and foremost, before all that, you need to be able to do the goalie bits. And yeah. Joe Hart, as he showed uh, on Sunday at Hamden, he continues to excel there, doesn't he? Yeah, he's just got Buckets of experience, you know. So he's added the, you know, the the ball playing side to his game at a late stage in his career, which is ever more impressive. But yeah, you know, he's he's got so much experience to call on in big, big games, big occasions, big tournaments, and he showed it all yesterday. You know, a couple of really, really important saves. One, I think it was Arfield, you know, down his bottom right, and yep. and various others. You know, a couple of them are about kind of weak, weaker shots, but you know, he had to be there and do his job. Had um, Fashion Sakala been any sort of wow. footballer, Joe Hart might have had a save to make. Oh, man. Did you see that when he shied out for a shy? Sh- shied out for aye, a shy. Aye, 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 I, I maintain aye. it. Fashion Sakala is a co- sportsman, but he's not a footballer. The commentator I watched today, the commentator goes, he's taking a nick off the car. Vickers. I was like, nope. no. Nah. I know, I know. He's like, has it? Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Straight out for a throw. Miff, um, how important could it be to keep the experience of Joe Hart around for the long term? Obviously, listen, he might have another season, he might have a couple, who knows, but it would be great to rely on a guy like that to be part of your backroom team, wouldn't it, in terms of progressing? Absolutely. My, my worry with Joe Hart is that I think now he's got a taste for first-team action, he won't, he won't want to let it go. And if he's got a chance to go and play even in the Championship down south, he'd take that rather than sit on the bench at Celtic. Yeah. That, that's my my thought. I may be proven wrong. He may be happy to play number two, a younger keeper coming in, but I can't see it. He did an interview with uh, David Seaman. He's got a podcast, apparently. And he's so a good cutting going on the night, by the way. It's been excellent. He's done an interview with him and he, he says... I just love playing football. So I, I think you're right with your, your first. I'd love him to be a coach and stay for, you know, four, five, ten years, whatever kind of thing. But footballers like playing football and he's been given a new lease of life and that's just given him the buzz again. So I think he would. He would go down the level 
um, rather than going into coaching just yet because he knows he can go back to coaching in five years time I think so as well anybody in the game will tell him play as long as you possibly yep. can because yep. you're a long time retired and all yep. that stuff and all that coaching stuff can follow when he's whatever early 40s or whatever so we'll see but brilliant performance by him again at Hamden Park if there's various guys we could cover you've mentioned Tony Ralston who who performed admirably Jota the main man once again and you know the iconic celebration and all that kind of stuff but special mention must also go to Captain Callum McGregor here who again led by example he now stands on the verge of history as a player who could become the first to win five trebles in his career that is phenomenal that is it's unreal and yesterday yesterday was a battle I think Celtic it's particularly in the second half the midfield in particular became stretched and he probably got through twice the work he would normally get through the midfield you see him I think one of the shots that um, Arfield or Lundstrom has it's a bit of a counter for Rangers and he ends up covering for the left hand side to the right hand side back over to the left hand side again Um the amount of work that he puts in a game is absolutely phenomenal. He's just, he just again, he just epitomises that he is the ca- the captain, just an extension of the manager. You could see very, very early on in Angie's reign, McGregor was completely bought in, and, and if anything, I think McGregor's improved. I, I just think he's he's improved in in these seasons under Ange from what he was under Rogers. He's he's just now a focal point and a leader. So much so that you just can't imagine the team without him, and and he's still at an age where we could have another four or five years on left yeah, easily yeah. yeah I mean James at just 30 years of age he could have a, a good few years and he could potentially become Celtic's he's certainly already one of but he could become the most decorated Celtic player ever um, and as I say he's on the verge of this fifth treble or potentially a fifth treble which is just frightening how important is he to Angie's side? Oh vital um, you, you see when you see Celtic do these wee player profile things and it's two players talking about you know who's the joker in the dressing room blah 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 Every single one of those episodes when they say who's the best trainer, it's Cal McGregor. Yep. He's first in. He's you know so physically fit, he's got at least five years left in him. And the experience he's got, you know, bringing to the team, I think he's really matured under Ange as a player. I didn't think the captaincy was for him. I thought it would distract him from his game. But his game's totally changed because the guy that we were looking at was that attacking midfielder. And now he's, you know, been playing for a year, you know, nearly two years as they kind of sitting. And that's going to be really interesting as that changes with Iwata coming into the squad as well. But um, there's quite a funny one that came around last week. The experience McGregor's got of lifting trophies. And it was a, a review or a re-showing of the guy. Nice kind of Hamden Stewart guy showing McGregor how he got up the steps to lift the League Cup finals. Like, I've done this before, mate. I, I, I know the way. I've been up here a dozen times. Um, he's got a phenomenal record of every final he's played in at Hamden since youth football. He's won right, every yeah. single yeah. time. So here's hoping that he repeats that on the 3rd of June. So I know we've picked out a few of the star men there from Sunday, but in truth, it always has been and always will be a team effort under Ange. Here's hoping this team can now do what they need to do in the coming weeks and go on and help us achieve something really special. Just before we move on to the mystery cell, do you want to play another wee game? Always. I've seen this earlier on. So there's an article in the Herald from the Old Firm <laughs> Facts that. account, um, which allows you to create your own Celtic will show Rangers, sorry, Rangers will show Celtic next time headline, right? So what I need, I'll go, go with you James first. What I need <laughs> is uh, the initial of your first name, which I know, the age bracket you fall into, the month you were born and your favourite colour and that generates the headline. So hold on a second, I'll just pull up the site. Uh, James, your first initial. So it's Chris Boyd, I think is my guy. Yeah, so let's get through it. So yeah. letter J, one second. Letter J gives us Chris Boyd, correct. 
And try guys guess my email passwords. Yeah. So Chris Boyd and your date of, uh, your month of birth. February. That's correct. Same as me. Chris Boyd shows Celtic what Rangers are made of and your age bracket, James. Uh, well, well, give me the options. Yeah, forty-one to forty-five. We'll throw you in there. And swears Rangers will. And what's your favourite colour? Blue. Would you believe? Is it really? Brings out your eyes. Uh, and show of defiance. So read that. <laughs> so your line would be Chris Boyd swears Rangers will show Celtic what Rangers are made of and show of defiance. Yeah. Uh, Miff, what do you? Same except green. Same except. Hold on a minute. Let's start again. We'll go for M for Miff, will we? Aye. We'll just we'll mix it up a wee bit. So your player is uh, Ryan Jack. I think that was very disrespectful. <laughs> Your age bracket? Same age bracket? Well, do you know what? You look younger. Aye. I'm going to put you I in the 35 so, to I'd, 40. I'd so I, 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 I was not going to say that myself. That would have been you know, quite conceited. But yeah. So Ryan Jack, Ryan Jack assures fans that Rangers will. What's your month? September. Ryan I'm, Jack. I'm a John Virgo. Ryan Jack assures Rangers will shut Celtic up. And your favourite colour? Green. An astonishing rant. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. So, do you know the funny thing is, James, the. Yeah, um, he's just like it was known in the streets. True that. Oh, man, shut up. Man. This is obviously by old firm facts, and he takes a kind of lighter look at things, you know, online and otherwise. But the lines between reality and, and fiction are becoming all too blurry these days over at Ibrox. It really is. I mean, because it's, you know, how many times we've been told is, you know, that this is that wasn't the real Rangers out there. And, you know, when uh, can't we on Raskin play, and then can't we on Raskin play. And then it's like, aye, but, aye, but, aye, but, just... Remember Inspector Gadget at the end of every episode? Oh, next time, okay, Gadget. Next time, man. <laughs> next time. <laughs> aye, next time. <laughs> there's, there's a bit of that going on. The guy used to bang the table and stroke his mad cat. Next time, <laughs> Gadget. Call him like that, what you're calling him, the uh, Wiley Coyote. So aye, he never, aye. never quite gets him. Aye. Aye. Nearly. Miff, we spoke about Todd Cantwell and he's now the, the new hero because he refused to pass a bottle of juice or something to Rayo Hattati during a break and play, but... The Rangers now require a new head of stop saying stupid stuff, please, because everyone from players to coaches to everyone else, they're just tripping themselves I, I, up. I mentioned it uh, last night when we were doing the post-match around the assistant manager coming out and saying, oh, I have got something I've got to say after the game when uh, if we win. What? Barisic <laughs> saying, uh, I, uh, when it happened if we were on the street. What? What are you <laughs> talking about? Just stop it. It's like... Just stop. I see if I was a Rangers fan. Like, boys, right. I get he's a try today, keep us all motivated that. We just want you to win. We don't care about all the other stuff. Just shut up, turn up for the game and, and win. Uh, had they not come out with that hot air, I think probably if the hot air isn't there, you're a Rangers fan yesterday and you go, we've actually gave that a really good go yesterday. Second half in particular. You know, I, 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 think, I think we've maximised we've maximised well, yes, our squad fair. and our, you would say, right, unlucky lads, yeah, yeah. it comes off the back of a season of defeat, but you'd say, they've chucked the kitchen sink at that and they have tried. But instead, build, 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 build. That happens yesterday and it's like, well, if you go on the Twitter, you'll see a few. Oh, booed off oh. and, you know, some sweary words as well. Aye, you, yes. You'd have to say that this... I don't think you go swearing at football, but... Mm, this all are. comes from the manager, right? Yep. And the thing is, he sets the tone. He could hardly turn around to Todd Cartman and say, ah, Todd, you can't really say that, mate, because Todd would be going, are you joking? Have you heard the stuff that you've been saying? But in yesterday morning, he came out in the paper saying, um, somebody asked him, what did you think about people who are critical of Rangers this season? And he said, some people are too f fond of the sound of their own voice. Who said this? Bill. MB. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. Anyway, a fun section that, you know, in terms of uh, picking your own headline and stuff. But as I say, it really is pretty close to reality there uh, over at Ibrox. Let's move on to this week's Mystery Cell. And as always, we'll start with a quick reminder of last week's Mystery Cell for anyone who missed it. So clue number one, I've scored four and against Celtic in the Europa League. 
Clue number two, I played in the Scottish Cup final win over Hearts in December 2020 that sealed the quadruple treble. And clue number three, I was once signed for £16 million. The answer, of course, was Moyel Yunusimov. Too easy for you, I think you got it after clue two. Si, senor. <laughs> Your th- si, senor. <laughs> si, senor. Guys, senor, <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, see, senor. Fair enough. The cultured man. Yeah. Anyway, Muff, your thoughts on El Yunus's time at Celtic? Oh, I would have loved to have seen him in this team. I really would. A big fan. He he is out of contract in summer. Big fan. Big fan. Yeah. Big fan. Um, James, I'll run through his fact file before coming to you. So he played for Celtic across two loan spells, firstly in the 1920 season before returning for another loan in the 2021 season. He scored 24 goals and assisted 14 times across 67 appearances for the club. Seven of those goals, interestingly, came in European competition. Wee bit of trivia for fun. Uh, in November 2020, after he was caught using his mobile phone after being served off in our 4-1 defeat by Sparta Prague, Paul Lambert famously said he had let the great Jockstein down That's with his actions. Yeah. Um, so I'm yeah. sure Moy's still reeling at that one. T- to be fair, I think uh, most of us were checking our phones by that point rather than watching the game. It's tough yeah. times. James, your thoughts uh, on that, I suppose, first of all, and on Moy in general? It's it's difficult to give him a, a true assessment given the, the overarching atmosphere that surrounded the club at that at that time. For me, no. Um, too hot and cold, hit and miss. Bags of talent. Um, but could go missing a lot as well. So, nah, I, you know, I, I think you were, you in particular, you were quite keen for him, for us to sign him, you know, ongoing. I was more than happy to see him go, really. Um, I think we've replaced, we've replaced with better. Take your point. Could be interesting to see him in a, a team like us. I, I, I would like him in this team. Um, I, I just think he's he's got that, you know, ability to come in off the left and create as well as as well as score. Just a a, a really exciting player for me. He was, he was absolutely outstanding right up to the League Cup final against Hammy just at that point in the season um, and he was out for he was out for a, a couple of months I think um, he, he, he was a, a just a real real talent honestly I really liked him I think he's a superstar I think he's a great player um, do you not see shades of him and Haksabanovic? I do and I think Haksabanovic is in trouble actually um, oh, after seeing whoa, him the last down. few games you, yeah. had him, you had him up in I don't, I, don't, I just don't think he's got a at the moment, he's not got the engine to be an Ange player. And if he doesn't get that, he'll be gone. Maybe so. Um, Ange seems to like him, but he does. I, I described him to Miff yesterday as a wee bit leggy. You know, when he came yeah. on, he, he looked like he'd already played 60 yeah. minutes. He just couldn't get the engine going. But anyway, we've come a wee bit off topic. But Moyle, you know, say talented guy. Would you have him on a three at the moment? Yes. Yeah, so would I. Not so sure, James? Nah. Okay. Interesting nah, I'm sure, enough. But I'm sure it's a no. Talented player, uh, regardless. So let's move on to this week's mystery sale. As always, the first 10 listeners with the right answer win 14 days free of the Celtic Exchange Plus. Just head to our Twitter page at Celtic Exchange right now and you'll see the pin tweet giving you the instructions. Are you ready? Born ready. Let's cool. go. Clue number one. Are you ready? I ready. Clue number one. I joined the Celtic Academy in 2011 and made my debut under Neil Lennon in early 2014. Jackie Jason. Celtic's youngest ever scorer, Jack H, yeah. and he came off the bench against right, us yeah. for Marble yep. last week. Yep. Again, we've got distracted. But no, it's not Jack H, Jason. Muff, anything from you? 2014 debut. No. Clue number two. I went on to make appearances under Ronnie Dyla and Brendan Rogers, but also spent time on loan at Oldham, Cork City and Walsall. Um... And clue number three, I'm still playing and have just won promotion to League Two in England. Oof. So as always, you have until I come back from reading out this next section to provide your answer. 
Uh, and while the lads are having a wee think about the mystery Celt, here's a quick reminder of the additional content we provide to subscribers over on the Celtic Exchange Plus. In addition to special episodes with ex-players, coaches, journalists and Celtic authors, we produce extra pre- and post-match podcasts for every Celtic game and we'll have our match preview podcast ahead of this weekend's Game with Hearts available to subscribers on Friday afternoon. As always, we'll also then return shortly after the final whistle on Sunday with our full match reaction show. If you haven't already subscribed, you can enjoy this additional content for free by signing up right now for our complimentary seven-day trial. Simply visit theCelticExchange.com slash sign up where it takes less than two minutes to get started and to join your fellow fans and enjoy everything we provide for subscribers. So if you enjoy what we do and want to hear even more from us across the week, then visit theCelticExchange.com slash sign up now and we'll see you on the inside. Okay, lads, what have you got? Give us a quick run through the questions again. <sighs> you always do this, I need to scroll back. I joined the academy in 2011 and made my debut under Neil Lennon in 2014. I also made appearances for Dyla and Rogers, but spent time on loan at Oldham, Cork and Walsall. And clue number three, I'm still playing and have just won promotion to League Two in England. And it was correct. Oh, oh I was been a bit devious. We'll get that beeped out. I was trying to throw you. <laughs> right, wait now, wait now. How many games? How many episodes stand the scenes? Was that six? The score is now 10 six. 7, so yeah. you've got oh, a bit of daylight. It's nearly, nearly uncatchable. Oh. And remember, if you think you're as sharp as James and Miff and know the answer to this week's Mystery Celt and want to win 14 days free of the Celtic Exchange Plus, then simply reply to our pinned tweet at Celtic Exchange using the hashtag Mystery Celt. Tino inherited the gap. So he's That's only right. counting it for this point onwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He inherited the gap, so it's not really his this deficit. The, the next one will be, can, can he win this point? Can, can he win can it he win from this, this point on and then he's won it? Judge me on next season, man. Aye, yeah, yeah, aye, next yeah. season. Aye, aye. So no. it's a revamp, not a rebuild. Correct. Time for this week in Celtic Media, where each week we dig out something of interest from the world of Celtic Online. This week features a man who continues to split opinion amongst a section of the support. James, what have you got? It's our old pal, Neil Lennon. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's done a pretty extensive interview with uh, Peter, Martin Peter Maguire on PLZ. Um, and you know, I, I know it's, you know, we're not ready yet to, to, to get no, over no, all that. We're no, no, James, no, no, we're just not. Too soon. But I like, I like listening to Lenny uh, talk about football, I really do. Um, it's it's, a, it's a quite a broad interview, it covers obviously a wee bit of his time in Cyprus and the success they had there in the Cup, you know, a bit of... Europa was it even conference stuff with them? they got they got Man United and yeah, the Europa and were, tell me this this isn't a spoiler but see the things that went wrong in Cyprus I take take it none of them were his fault how did you know oh, just did a, a funny so what, what does come up is a real lack of self awareness I think that's just a bit of a, a character flaw for the draw lines I like Neil Lennon for I think that is a, a an issue and I think that's why he's not he should be playing he should be managing at a Celtic level or above and he's not he's getting pushed down because of these things. He's wildly lo loyal to Lowell and Desmond, blindly so I would say, but they've supported him. He's supporting them back, that's a fair trade I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's really worth a watch. There's no responsibility taken. And I think, you know, the majority of the issues were board related. I, I gave numbers on it to a pal last week. I said it's about 10% Lennon's fault that season, about 70% the board and 20% the, the COVID authorities letting Rangers send their tests away to Belfast or whatever they want kind of stuff, you know. Allegedly. Factually, um, but yeah, just it, it's well worth a watch. It's about fifty minutes, so it co covers a lot, um, and it just it, it gets you back into you know hearing Lenny talk about football. Yeah, which is good. I've watched it as well. I, 
I, I'm the same. I like watch Lenny's a football guy, yeah. and I like uh, watching and listening to him talk about football. And as it's pretty wide ranging, so yep, he covers his time in Cyprus. Um, he, he won silverware within a few months yeah, of getting out there, yeah. and credit for that. He then got the bullet about two months later. And interestingly, he said that's kind of the way of things out there. Now, I don't know how true that is or not, but he said he had fans of, um, what were they called, Omnia and Nicosia? Yeah. Nicosia. He said he had fans saying, oh, sorry this happened to you, this is just our culture. And he did go on to say that the guy who replaced him lasted like six weeks I, or something. I nothing at all. Eh? Um, so who knows about that? But he did then talk about the COVID season in general, the disruption it caused across European football with various sides not winning the league. Lille won in France. PSG Atletico didn't won. Uh, Juventus didn't win, Barcelona and yeah, yeah. Real and all that stuff. So there's a bit of that. He talks about COVID anxiety in general and you know what, was, what people were experiencing in life. I mean, there would already have been so much pressure on the 10 season and then you throw COVID and, and life just being a bit mental. It was a bit of a perfect storm, not the worst, but certainly a storm of sorts. And you can see something in that. There was a really interesting point where he was asked specifically if he'd lost friends over this and good friends. And I thought that was, I don't know, you couldn't help but feel from there. You know, football's football and it's a cutthroat business. But I think he feels that some of his old teammates had thrown him under the bus. I remember around that time we were doing some post-match stuff with John Hartson in, in this very studio. And I think John Hartson was really, really supportive of Neil Lennon until he couldn't be. Until he couldn't, and he couldn't be. He, he took it right to the point where yeah. everyone could see the the job had run its course for Neil for, Lennon. For me, Harrison took it longer than he should have. Yeah, and, and it's a tricky position for an ex-teammate because you want to do that thing where, yeah, you're loyal to your, your mate, but you also want to be honest and not be you know, disingenuous when you're, you're asked your opinion. And he's a fan. So it's Harrison and Sutton, I think, are chiefly what we're talking about here. And they're both Celtic supporters and they both knew, same as us, that that was gone. You know, the, the, the management... You know, team didn't have control of the dressing room or whatever, and I think Harrison was, you know, very fair and held as long as he could. Like I say, more than I, th I thought he should have. Yeah. And Lennon saying, "Oh, I should have picked up the phone," kind of thing. Maybe it's not maybe. how it works. It's, it's not how it works, is it? Because yeah. he's asked a question, he answers a question. He doesn't ask the questions. He's oh, no, I'll just phone Lennon and see. Aye, give me, to give, me say give me five, and I'll check you know what, what I mean? Check what I have to say. Um, but beyond that, he talks about the Seville side, and you know, it, it, it gets That's a bit light, lighter towards the end. Yeah. He talks about the Boa Vista memories which we were actually talking about last week and um, he talks about comparisons with Ange side he said there's no comparison pretty much I think that's a brilliant debate yeah what game that would be man yeah it's interesting the last thing I thought was interesting as well that he talks about a potential return to the game and says that he's currently speaking to a few clubs so we'll see what happens it'll be very interesting to see where Lenny pitches up next and at what level but Miff I'll come to you for your opinion on something so the main gripe generally among supporters seems to be that he never walked when he knew the league was over that season and it was out of reach and I, and I think that's what sticks with most people now if I'm to offer you know be devil's, play devil's advocate and all that stuff modern managers don't walk they wait till they get sacked because there is so much money at stake now you can point at that and say how much money does a guy need and all that stuff it, it would potentially cost him a couple of million to walk it's a madman that walks away from that so what's your general take on it all? He's not ready Still a bit raw for me <laughs> um, Still a bit raw for me the lack of self-awareness, the lack of humility, I would call it, is what galls me. Nothing's ever his fault. And by the way, Neil Lennon, the player, absolute legend. Neil Lennon, the manager, to a point, legend. Um, however, there are so many things wrong with that season. Not all Neil Lennon's fault, but I, I do think this, the circumstances needed a certain type of management, a management that Lennon's character wouldn't allow him to bring to the squad. We only know that in hindsight. Get into the season... You need to remember that the 1920 season that got cut short, Celtic were really, really coming on strong just towards the end of that yeah. season. And some of the football that season was brilliant because I think 
we'd all get so used to Roger style of football and it was pretty samey continuation yeah um, I thought that there was an element of dynamism brought by Bullion's football you know the Edward Griffiths pairing up front for example um, Mikey Johnson had, had really started to come I know Tino you'll be that's, that's for another day um, so there, there was there was a bit of freshness and an element of excitement about it as well but the recruitment in the summer went disastrously wrong even though we didn't think it had you know losing Julian as well Julian had been out there was loads of things wrong with that season but ultimately Lennon just hasn't really you know he's still throwing shade at the fans and using every every other excuse under the sun rather than saying any element of it that he got wrong and I think that's what's gone me more than anything else come out and talk about it whilst you're willing to admit that your failings played some part in it the longer he goes on trying to blame I mean he blamed the fans at, at one point they weren't even in the stadium they were chucking sharks outside the, <laughs> the ground but Sinky um, <laughs> Big Sinky alright Sinks um, that, that's the bit for me it's the lack of awareness lack of humility and until that's addressed nah I, I agree with that as well I've got various thoughts on it but I agree that just a wee bit of humility just put the pause up and say and I could have done some things better that, as well. That, You're that. just a, a line like that or so. The, the, the poor thing for me though, you see some really, really biting stuff online against Neil Lennon and it's pretty poor for me. Um, there was one guy, I can't remember who it was, but really snidey says that uh, Neil Lennon only, only ever pitched up at Celtic Park when he was getting paid to do so. Never a fan and all that <laughs> stuff. I think Neil Lennon will have and maybe continues to hurt as much as anybody about that season. You know, he is a Celtic man and, and that's a painful one. But, you're right, Matthew. He made his mistakes, and and maybe at some point soon he could, you know, do himself a big favour by putting the pause up. I'll, I'll just emphasise that point as well in case anybody thinks it's just sour great for me. My, my, his credentials in terms of being a Celtic legend aren't in doubt prior to that debacle. But he, it, it, I can't I can't sit here and say to to me personally he hasn't affected that by his actions and by the way he spoke about it since then even some at times up until now if this interview I've not watched it or, or listened to it but I will do but prior to that anything I've heard since the Covid season has almost been a bit snidey in the, in the press when you know that was a build up to a really big match for us and it was brought out at that point now I know how the media works you know they've obviously done it for impact but even that itself I just think that lack of awareness let's roll it out after but again Aye, there's just a lot wrong with, with how Lennon's acted since that. And by I don't doubt for a minute he's hurt, and I don't doubt for a minute he's been burnt, I don't doubt for a minute that he's genuinely lost some really strong relationships as a result of it. But again, that'll be because of how he's looking at things rather than being able to stand back and look at the bigger picture. What was he expecting people to say at that time? He had completely lost the dressing room. It was a rudderless ship. We were doing that, you know, we just started the podcast at the time and you couldn't hear us talking for me banging my head off that wall. But like, what the hell is going on? Why can nobody see anything about it? I mean, we listed on right through the Dubai debacle. I mean, God, this is bringing me back. He's like, what, what have you done to me? Right, I should be here celebrating. But, but it did. I mean, just look at it. Just go and look at the timeline. Yeah. Pumped 4 1 twice. Where was it? Slavia, Spara Prague. That alone, that's, that's a sacrifice for a Celtic yeah. manager. You could see it was happening. Everyone Dun knew it was Dundee happening. United. We scraped through last minute um, and then the Rangers game, that was it for a lot of fans. Probably the worst display we've ever had. I mean, the scoreline was only 2-0, but it, it, it's as bad. 2-0 yeah, doing. It's bad as we've ever played against Rangers. The, the, only part that, the only part that maybe Sutton Hartson were 
saying, you know, it's, it's time for, for Neil to go. But your point's spot on. It's not uh, Lennon's job to go. It's Lowell's job and the board's job to say, right, we're going to change it. But they're trying to save the money by getting him to he, resign. He should have been fired. For, for everybody's sake, yeah. for him as an individual, for the club, yeah. for the fans. Find a compromise agreement, yeah. whatever it may be, but it's the board that controls that, not Neil Lennon. And the, the rumour was that he, he was scunnered with it and he was going to resign and his agent stopped him. Kind of correctly, that's his, his agent's, agent's job. Don't be stupid throwing that money yeah, away. I was going to say, that's a, that's a £2 million yeah. role you're playing there. If you let your client resign, nobody's getting paid. No. Um, and this isn't Most importantly you. This isn't <laughs> any, uh, a money thing, but it's just a real life thing. You, no, can't, yeah. you can't walk away from that. I, I, I completely accept that, but at the same time, you know, we, we allowed it to turn into a farce, whoever you blame for that. Everybody loves their own, their own opinions. But you cannot say, and you just can't say Neil Lennon didn't play a partner. You just can't. No, of course. James, what was interesting is that um, when Miff was talking about Maeda, his voice went a wee bit higher. When he was talking about the Lenny time, he uh, just hit the roof. He just went <laughs> to a is, different, is, a different octave is, altogether. I just wasn't prepared no. to be, to be Peter Martin, steep. Peter Martin used the term, time's a healer. And I think it is, and I think that's what it'll be with Lenny. Interestingly, we don't have time for it, but interestingly, Brendan Rodgers was at <laughs> the last say. night. Miff, I won't take don't. you down that road. Don't. Um, don't. But there'll be a time, there will be a time when Neil Lennon will be welcome back at Celtic Park and in my opinion he absolutely should be welcome back as a legend and you can dress it up however way you want but some tanning Rogers, eh? He's, he's had a bit of time off he's probably been in his Spanish bolt hole yeah. who knows <laughs> uh, anyway the Lenny interview on PLZ it's an interesting uh, interview all in all very very worth a watch and as always we'll link to this one in the show notes for the episode James we now know there are six games remaining for the season five league games starting at Tynecastle on Sunday and now that all important Scottish Cup final on the 3rd of June how are you feeling about it all and what's your final thoughts for the week Delighted. It's been a phenomenal season to be a Celtic fan. It's been a phenomenal two years to be a Celtic fan. But this this season has really, you know, cemented a lot of what I just set out to do. And then we want to just keep building through the summer and, and really push for uh, European success. So I need to get to calendars and work out what's going on with because there's a lot of lot of drinking to be done the next few weeks, Miff. So we need to make sure we've got all that sorted, Mondays off and all that kind of stuff. So that's my job for the week. A lot of coordination required. Miff, the final word this week goes to you. What are you saying to it now that we know Angie Sider just 90 minutes from history? Well, it, you know, it cannot be emphasised just what a phenomenal achievement it is to, to get to this stage, to be in the position with, you know, five league games to go that were on, on the cusp of this treble, which petrified me so much when Paddy and James were calling it so long ago but here we are it's down to the manager it's down to his management of the team and the squad and, and we're just so lucky to have him and so lucky to have this squad of players that they're, they're all bought in and yesterday was the epitome of that they had to dig in but they did they got the job done and they've earned the right to celebrate you know do your talking on the pitch yeah they absolutely do so that wraps things up on the latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly thanks to James and Muff for joining me today and as always our thanks to you for listening remember to send your mystery cell answer to us on Twitter for your chance to win 14 days free of the Celtic Exchange Plus and beyond that don't forget to visit theceltichexchange.com slash sign up where you can start your free 7 day trial and enjoy all the additional podcasts we offer our subscribers but in the meantime for myself and the team thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again this time next week
Social Podcast Network.